Hello and welcome to... <laughs> I almost said Reuse Your Old Adventures. I forgot which show I was recording. It's been that kind of day. Hello and welcome to Sherlocktober, a most irregular podcast. It's the last Sherlocktober of this year. It's going up on the last... So just squeezing in at the end. There's one more Sunday in October and that's when this is going up. Aww. I'm joined again by Christy, who has been my stalwart companion throughout the majority of this inaugural Sherlocktober a most irregular podcast. So, as you may remember, the first episode that we did was a crossover special with our other podcast, The Wreckers, where we recommend stuff to each other. So now we're revisiting that. So I was recommended uh, a book, A Study in Scarlet Women by Sherry Thomas, uh, and I recommended Christy TV movie called Sherlock Holmes Returns. So now we're going to do our other thing where we talk about the thing what we saw or read <laughs> or did. So Christy, would you like to go first? Um, certainly. Okay, so as you said, I was given a TV movie, Sherlock Holmes Returns. I think the full title is 1994 Baker Street, Sherlock yes. Holmes Returns. Give, given given <laughs> is an overly charitable way of phrasing it, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, first, this was strangely, like, the most comforting thing. <laughs> I, I, I love 90s TV, and this is, like... 90s tv gold and i say that without sarcasm or like just any meanness at all i loved it pure and simple um the other thing that just was fun and silly is i i used to live in marin county um which is right outside san francisco so like all the little like san francisco bits i was like oh i've been there <laughs> which is always so silly but it's fun when you watch something like that so yeah, yeah. Okay. um i get the same thing like because um because i've grown up like within the cultural gravitational pull of liverpool uh and liverpool gets used a lot in uh sometimes in in, in hollywood films because there's lots of you know like buildings from the 20s and 30s so occasionally i'll be watching a film i think someone showed me a clip from um the first captain america movie and there was oh yeah some some of our stuff was in there and i was like yeah yeah. Um, see, I, I don't have that kind of fondness. That I think that you do. Oh yeah, I love it. I was like, the whole reason I even watched Hawaii Five O, the reboot series, is I was like, really now. <laughs> I couldn't give two shits, Chrissy. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> I'm sorry, but please continue. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so <laughs> the like real Sherlock type of approach is hard to do but this movie i thought had like no hesitation with it which if you're gonna go that routine um especially with like film or tv just rip the band-aid off you know what i mean like acknowledge yeah. the strangeness <laughs> and the the deeply theatrical nature of the character sherlock holmes that doesn't entirely jive with reality and just just go past it <laughs> you know i've seen other sherlock holmes like movies or tv shows and a lot of the time they play him as, as quite you know some people play him as very like staid and i'm like he's not he's a fucking weirdo <laughs> by the standards of the time that he lived in he was you know this like kooky eccentric <laughs> obviously as we talked about in the last episode you know kind of the benchmark for that is jeremy brett yeah. He did play a very kind of unpredictable Sherlock Holmes in a way. And I think Anthony Higgins certainly did. He was, I think he was a bit more buttoned up than Jeremy <laughs> Brett was. Cause okay. we were going to compare him to Jeremy Brett at some point. Yeah. Because, like, whoever, fair. whoever, whoever it was, we would have done. I did like his performance. 
and I thought he was he was a very credible Sherlock Holmes for me. The, in the this movie, yeah, I, the contrast of this film went pretty hard on was it's like Sherlock is a brilliant character, but he's also kind of an insufferable person. Like if you had to be. <laughs> Like, you know, they don't shy exactly away from that. Yeah. And this movie's really playful with it. I mean, to the point where he's frozen himself, right? So, Because <laughs> that's a thing that normal people do. Yeah, and it's not a take you often see outside <laughs> of strictly, like, straight humor Sherlock Holmes stuff that's, like, you know, pot shots and kind of goofy. And, and this, this film walked the line between it was funny, but it wasn't, like, laughing at the characters and the characterization. It was laughing with them. It was a very fine line. One or two jokes, I was like, okay. <laughs> but overall, you know, it was really, really enjoyable. My favorite, I have so many favorite parts. I love the dignity that Holmes has while he's like walking around in his Alan Moore cosplay, basically. Like, it's just a good shtick. I loved it. It is, it is, it is, uh, his frock coat and his whiskers. Yeah. And there's this part where he's sitting in like a wheelchair and he rolls out of the frame and then he like comes back in. And I don't know. I just, <laughs> I thought it was so funny because he looked the way he did, but he's talking like Sherlock Holmes. It was amazing. I was blown away by that bit. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the whole bit, like the whole, all this parts where it's Holmes and he's really out of his element in time, but it's not like, so he, he, okay. So <laughs> one of the bits is he's, he's gets kicked out by Winslow because she's finally at her wits end. Right. She's like, you're just some weird elaborate hoax set up by my ex. And I, just get out of my house get out get out so she kicks him out and he goes and he wanders <laughs> I'd the forgotten park. that yes and he quickly befriends you know some homeless man and uh he goes to sleep on a bench and he lays down he looks up at an airplane instead of like doing a kind of double taking you know type of thing he just kind of smiles <laughs> he's like oh that's new like <laughs> like he just accepts it and that's throughout the whole thing tv computer cars everything that's his reaction and it's very very charming and very subtle and it's not it's funny but it's not like blown out of proportion his mind isn't completely blown you know like he had his his pulse on technology of the time so he's like oh of course this is the evolution of this thing i heard of before i was frozen that's one thing that i really enjoyed about his performance is like whenever he was confronted with some 20th century thing that he had no frame of reference for they didn't like overplay yeah like that they didn't have the sort of cartoonish double takes and stuff it was yeah. you could see him just sort of go right okay and then it, yeah. and then he'd like filed it away the the idea of like the internet is probably something that he would view as you know a logical extrapolation from the telegram yeah so you know it's believable that you know he wouldn't <laughs> you know he wouldn't be like wandering around going what sorcery is this <laughs> yeah he's not curmudgeon about it at all you know and uh, my favorite <laughs> I loved, I loved in all the, when he's talking to other characters and he gets things wrong in his deductions and they correct him. Or even when he's just talking, he says a word wrong and people correct him and he just instantly goes, right. Like he just moves past it. He's, he's filed it away now and he's, he's got it. Like, I just, I like the quickness of it. I thought that was a very good adaptation to it. That was, um, that was another thing that I liked about Anthony Higgins performance is that when he did make an incorrect deduction the, the one that i remember is he's talking to the i think it's like a police captain or a police detective yeah i think his name's griffin and um he deduces that the guy's nickname is noodles <laughs> which yeah. is not the case he just happened to be eating like a cup of noodles like you know like a like a cup noodle thing that had it written on it and holmes assumed it was like you know a monogrammed thing and the when he gets corrected about stuff when he you know he's essentially told no you've made a stupid assumption like you basically he's like you guessed and you were wrong 
the way he plays it, it he plays it with such dignity. Yeah. It's the same thing as like a, a straight man in comedy, you know, needs someone getting hit in the face with a pie is funny, but it's so much more funny if they're like, you know, if, if they have like a dignity about them. Yeah. And, you know, and they're like standing up with, you know, banana cream <laughs> all over their face. But they're, sort of, yeah. they're trying to, <laughs> you know, sort of almost like not act like they're covered in bits of pie. That's always funnier because you got like the Three Stooges and that is funny. But to <laughs> me, it, it's to me, like, I always think of like Oliver Hardy where some like, you know, slapstick thing would happen. You know, Oliver Hardy would be trying to sort of salvage his dignity and i yeah. think that's that's kind of what anthony higgins performance reminded me of in this in those moments it yeah. was oliver hardy trying to hang on to his dignity after stan laurel had just done something stupid <laughs> that that that's the word that kept coming to my mind is the dignity aspect to it because he's he's very very much out of his element like he's still brilliant he's still very effective you know more so than other <laughs> detectives and such but um he just he latches on to the fact and he accepts that he's wrong <laughs> that he still has a lot to learn and that he is behind in a lot of ways and i liked how the the film approached it it wasn't it was funny but it wasn't done in a like a a mean way or like a kind of punching down of look how stupid sherlock holmes is now because we have phones like <laughs> that wasn't what they went for at all and it was enjoyable very enjoyable very charming and clever i gotta say though hold on <laughs> my by love which she's um miss winslow dr winslow is losing her shit she's kicking him out of her house and she's getting you know hysterical and sherlock says something like if you calm down from your feminine hysterics and she snaps back it's a non-sexist hysteria and she like pushes him out the door that was like the moment i was like okay actually you know what dr winslow's pretty all right she's yeah i didn't warm up to her instantly i was like i don't know about this but uh that was where i was like yeah actually She's okay. See, that that surprises me, Christy, because when I watched, the first time I watched it, I was I was watching it, I was kind of like, she reminded me a little bit of um, Gillian Anderson as Scully. <laughs> you know, having to put up with this, Mad you know, ec- eccentric, that's not yeah. mince words, douche. Yeah, that's my favorite thing, by the way, is being like, well, there's a douchebag. <laughs> and people are like, oh, how dare you? And I'm like, really, though? Look at the evidence. He's pretty douchey. <laughs> But he's my douchebag. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, I love him. I love him. He's a complete douchebag. Sherlock Holmes is like a cat. Yeah. You know, he's he's, he's terrible, but he's yours and you love him. I, I My favorite character was Zapper, who's like the Baker Street regular. <laughs> I forgot who's <laughs> called Zapper. His name is Zapper, which is a terrible <laughs> name. Um, but like the actor and him and him and Holmes. That's, that's the fucking gun that you got with the <laughs> NES. <laughs> That was that Sorry. was like I was like, well, let's check that name to a date at different time. But um overall the character is great. Yeah. I think he stole the whole everything. <laughs> if the show had gone on, which is very upsetting that it didn't get picked up for like at least I one know, season or something. It makes me so sad. It's very upsetting. I was like, this is quality stuff. If they had time a whole season to really work through it, it would have been oh, so good. And like the Baker Street Irregulars in particular, they're one of my favorite parts of Sherlock Holmes stories. And I like that after, you know, Conan Doyle, people have really taken the idea and just run with it (laughs) because it's so kind of undefined, honestly, in a lot of the stories they're mentioned or Mm. you you have an idea of what they do. 
But, um, you know, the particulars and everything is whatever. You can just fill in the information yourself. But in this show or this movie, I thought it was great that the one kid was kind of like the tech kid, right? And the scene where they're going to investigate and Holmes is getting, he's basically giddy with, with technology. He's so pleased that he can do all, all these things. And they're back and forth. Uh, in that scene was just amazing. And I was like, oh, God, I want a whole show of this. <laughs> a whole show <laughs> of some streetwise punk kid telling Sherlock Holmes how to work a cell phone. Like, I really want to watch that really bad. Can, can we at least get, like, a comic or something? <laughs> yeah. So I was, that was what really hit me. I was like, oh, there's, after this, this is it. There's no, like, show I could go see where I get to see my BFF Sapper again. So, wah, wah. Yeah, it's only just now occurring to me how, it, like, in retrospect, how cruel my choice was of uh, of recommendation. That's okay. At least I got to enjoy it. It was it was nice while it lasted. The, the one, the two hours that <laughs> that has it was obviously being set up for more. Oh, yeah, it's disappointing. It's upsetting. It was very nineties TV, wasn't it? Oh, it's this best. In the best possible the way. Best possible way, and I I really mean that. <laughs> I I feel like when I say I love '90s TV, people are like, "Oh yeah, wink, wink, nudge, nudge." I'm like, "No, I really like '90s <laughs> television. I like the form of script writing at the time. I like yeah, I I get it because I watched a shit ton of '90s TV, guys. So like, I just I can zone into it so well instantaneously without any effort. I <laughs> uh, you know I I will say without a shred of irony that. Due South is one of the finest artistic oh endeavors ever undertaken by humankind. <laughs> yeah. Like Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. That was my favorite show. For I know. Like me, me growing up as a kid, that was my show. That was like, I know like yours, I think yours was the X-Files, yeah. but uh, mine was Lois and Clark, even more so than, than um, Star Trek Deep Space Nine. And that's saying something. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's why that's what I really liked about um, Sherlock Holmes Returns is it felt like that. It's like it felt kind of Lois and Clark to me. It's like you know here's this you know character that everyone knows and is universally famous and and known and and we're just gonna change little bits to it. Yeah, yeah. Here's us like presenting a slightly different dynamic than the one that you used to. And I think it the um, Sherlock Holmes Returns worked for the same reason. It was just you know. It's just nice, it, you know, you just have a good time watching it. Like, it's not like trying yeah. to be the, it's it's not trying to be the most intelligent thing you've ever seen and make you go, ooh, you know, the people who wrote this must be dead clever. It's making you go, oh, this is nice, isn't it? <laughs> I loved it. I really did. It's comfortable. And people usually say that as a criticism, but it's like, I'll, who who doesn't like being comfortable sometimes? It's like a nice, it's like a big, like, squashy armchair. Yeah, it's a cozy, it was a cozy watch. That's how I'm yeah. going to describe it. It was a cozy watch <laughs> to watch Sherlock Holmes be out of his element, but maintain <laughs> dignity in the face of just complete <laughs> insanity. I, I think I think that's a very astute observation. <laughs> but yes, I loved it. And I'm so happy you suggested it to me. And I'm really upset there's not more of it. So there's that. I'm a little upset. I used well, to, I didn't know about it before, but now I do, <laughs> so that's a fun um, burden. Well, I, another, one thing that did, like, strike me about it was, uh, and I mentioned, I mentioned, I think I mentioned this to Becca um, on the episode. That, oh my uh, god, was, I was screaming at my phone when I was listening to it, because I was like, was, I thought the same thing, and I thought I was going to make <laughs> such an amazing observation, and I was like, these guys got their first. <laughs> yeah, 
um, where you have, you know, a man in Victorian dress with long hair yep. driving around San Francisco on a motorbike with a lady yep. doctor. It's the Doctor Who movie. It's the Doctor Who movie with Paul McGann. Yeah, the it's only like... the, the only thing was I couldn't I didn't know which one came first because I'm not I'm who I am. Mm. Well, <laughs> You're I, who I, you know, are. So I know. I know. Yeah. Like, uh... like, um, the Doctor Who movie was 1996. This uh-huh. obviously was. And this was ninety three. So this was like three years earlier. I don't know if like were the, were the same people involved. Was, is that what it was? was I don't so, know. Did did they just no figure no what? Did they just figure no one would remember that like Sherlock Holmes pilot that <laughs> pilot. never got picked up? Um, <laughs> right. So I guess the takeaway, the the main takeaway from this is, uh, if you're filming um, a TV pilot, don't have a man with long hair. And Victorian clothes on the back of a motorbike with a lady doctor in San Francisco because you will not go to series. Uh, that is definitely the takeaway. <laughs> we so, can't tell you, know, you what on. what fa- what what one factor you'd have to change. Is it the hair? Is it the bike? Is it the lady doctor? Is it San Francisco? We don't know. The idea though is don't try it, guys. The hair stays or I walk. <laughs> that was that was the thing because I know like when he when his face has been deforested <laughs> after he's been defrosted uh, and he's put his you know. His handsome man face on. Yeah, and he's, you know, and he's got the long hair. And the first thing he says to to Dr. Winslow is, can you direct me to a barber? I was like, oh, no, don't cut the hair. It looks nice. But then he doesn't. And it was like, it's such a weird line. It's like, he, you know, it's like, why was that line there? Where he says he's going to get his hair cut and then he doesn't. It's like. Well, she says, no, don't do it because she's doing like googly eyes at him. (laughs) I suppose. And she's like, yeah, don't worry about it. It's fine. And I was like, good on her. It's, you know, men can, have, men can have long hair now. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. Pretty, you know, exactly. some, some men had long hair in your time, like Oscar Wilde and shit, so. Oh, one of the silly things, one of those is just so charming and unnecessary, but it's that kind of script writing I love that I, I feel is missing in some TV now is, is the big willy thing where it's this antidote, <laughs> she says. No, 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 I'm being serious. Where she, she has this antidote <laughs> about how she knows this hippie named Big Willy. And then throughout the yeah. script, whenever they're confused, he goes, are you Big Willy on this? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, oh my God, I love this so much yeah i love it they they just like instantly develop like a verbal shorthand yeah they develop their own entire shorthand but it's like them and then the audience is in on it too (laughs) and i i just i love that type of stuff and i feel like it's missing from a lot of tv scripts now they're everyone's very into the serialized which is great it's fine awesome not judging but i i think it misses these more charming moments between characters that you can't establish in one episode and then you just can keep bringing it up it's a factor that happens a lot in sitcoms you know like catchphrases and things like that but um i don't know i just don't see it a whole lot in tv like drama now I'm i like, did see a, i think i think i saw a tweet the other day where someone is someone was saying quite you know correctly in in my view and i suspect yours too at least partially um, they were saying the problem with serialized TV now is it's based like the whole sort of premise of it is, you know, oh, see how these characters will be fundamentally transformed. And you, you look at something like Sherlock Holmes Returns and it's like, you know, if that had gone to series, they would have been the exact same characters at the <laughs> end of it as they were at the start. And that's kind of the appeal. Yeah. And you then you get stuff like that's in between the serialization and then episodic stuff. So you get something like Buffy where... The character is essentially the same from where she started, from where she ended up. A lot of stuff happened and it's like, you know, she's definitely grown and she's different, but it's still, she's still essentially the same core person. And I, I don't see that type of storytelling happening a lot. I feel like people want to start with like a little lump of a character and they're like, by the end, they'll have shape. And I'm like, but do you, are you going to go that long? 
Like, do you know what you're doing? <laughs> like, do you have a long-term plan for this? Or are we just kind of, like, winging it? Like, are you waiting for feedback from producers or audiences? Or, like, what exactly? One of our previous projects that we failed to follow through on properly, which I think was mostly my fault, was uh, we tried watching the Sleepy Hollow TV show oh, yeah, in, yeah. in tandem. And I think something like the second episode of that you see, like, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And I'm yeah. like, did you just do this because you weren't sure if you were going to, like, actually get to the point of the show where you could show them and you'd already, like, bought the costumes and, and hired the actors? And that's that's kind of, like, what it felt to be. It was like, look, we might get cancelled, so fuck it, here's what they look like. Get, it was like, get the hype, get the word out, guys. Okay, thanks, bye. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's what it felt like, right? It was that move where it's like, look at them, take a peek, take a peek. Oh, cloth's back on, tell your friends. <laughs> Here, here's our premise, the world is literally ending. Anyway. <laughs> Here's John Cho and his next gone weird. Um, yeah. My God, I love John Cho. Why doesn't he have he, a show? Why doesn't? Why? Why? Yeah. Like I, I saw him doing um, Drunk History uh, as as William Shakespeare, and I was like, I would watch just a TV show of John Cho as William Shakespeare. Amazing. I love that. You know, solving mysteries. I don't know. With um, Doctor Who, Amy Karen Gillan. Yes, and it was um, it's basically My Fair Lady sitcom. <gasps> And it had one season. Why have I never heard of this? Probably because it had one season. I have season. no idea. I, mean, I guess no one heard of it because it got cancelled. But um, it was a very fun. It was a little rough at first and then they got their rhythm going and it looked like it was going in a fun way and it got completely obliterated, cancelled. And I was like, you know what? I hate you guys. <laughs> I'd, I'd actually like to see John Cho play Sherlock Holmes. I think he could I, I think, think he'd do I'd it like really to see well. John Cho play anything. It was just really exciting because he was the romantic Henry Higgins character lead and I was like, oh my God, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very excited by this show. And Je- and Jeremy Brett was in the movie of My Fair Lady, so it's all <laughs> yes, come full, full circle. circle. We have to get him hired as Sherlock to do to get it to Yeah. Happen. It's a sign. The- <laughs> Maybe, you know, if if we end up with any like pull in, in the entertainment industry, I think we should try and get Sherlock Holmes Returns remade with John, John Cho as Sherlock Holmes. Yes. And make sure it goes to series and bring back Zappa. <laughs> Just for you. Um, <laughs> Same actor. Go find him. Yeah. <laughs> like, still playing still playing a kid. Oh, you know, now he's like, he's like six foot tall and he's got a five o'clock shadow. Yeah. Um, I kind of figured that you would like it. I loved it. You know, there wasn't really kind of any sort of, you know, like, I I didn't think that we'd, you know, be coming back however many weeks later and you'd go, it was shit, I didn't like it. Um, (laughs) I thought, you you know, you would at least be entertained by it. Because I know kind of, you know, I I have an idea of what your sort of like, you know, taste in TV is and the kind of like character dynamics that you like and the types, like the kind of characters that you like. And I thought, I thought, Chris is going to be all right with this. This is gonna. Absolutely. This is gonna be all right. Well, now we're, we're ha- we have a history of recommending things to each other. That's our whole thing, isn't it? So, well, yeah, we <laughs> thankfully we're good at it. <laughs> we do a show that is just that, and you know we have like previous form. So I, I am glad. I am glad that you enjoy. It. What did sort of we? You know we we've sort of touched on it slightly, but um, your sort of like overall impression of of Anthony Higgins as as Holmes, like where does you know where does his Holmes kind of rank for you? <sighs> In, in, you know, the, the, the vast leaderboard of, um, Sherlock Holmes actors. You know, it took me a while to warm up to him, if I'm completely honest. And it's not like I was, like, against him and he had to fight through expectations or anything like that. It was just <laughs> very much, I was like, okay, I'm on board, I'm for it, cool. And just ob- observing. And I think it was, 
the like more he was around technology and he started doing the more comedy beats of okay you know just <laughs> he's being corrected by somebody and he's like all right and he just moves on from it and i was like actually i i get what he's doing here and i actually i, I really like it um as far as where he ranks i don't know that's very hard i don't think i've ever ranked sherlock's i mean jeremy red's default number one can't budget yeah he's up he's there he's plastered to the number one spot but like anyone below that i honestly i don't know <laughs> i think i think for for me it's a spectrum and you've got jeremy brett at one end and for me so for me anyway benedict cumberbatch on the other and <laughs> like even even like matt frewer is further brettwoods than <laughs> than, than benedict cumberbatch and i don't know you know that's gonna probably incense some people but um i really liked um anthony higgins as as holmes i that that's that's kind of like i think a tragedy is that he didn't get to you know it didn't go to series and he didn't get to like do like 40 50 episodes uh out of his sherlock holmes because i thought he, he did it like so well and i thought he was great I, I i think if he if it went to series i'd have a better easier time placing him you know what I mean? Yeah. Because I, I, it's because I just watched it and I really liked it. And I really like his performance. I want to place it high, but then I've got, you know, I've got all of Elementary, and I'm not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in a, in a in a very Holmesian way, you kind of you don't have enough data to really yeah to work with. One bit that I, you know, it it should have felt ridiculous and incongruous, but it didn't. Was when he turns up at Doctor Winslow's surgery, disguised as um, what we in the UK would refer to as a bad lady. Uh, Brenda Fricker's character in Home Alone 2 um, <laughs> he kind of he basically turns up dressed as you know a homeless woman and he's doing this kind of like Monty Python pepper pot voice yeah yeah and it should be ridiculous but it's for some reason like the way that he plays it and you know when she figures out that it's him and she gives like you know she deduces that it's him and she says you know like you know your posture is like something you know and you've got like a fencing scar and <laughs> and stuff like that and like the way that he immediately sort of switches from his kind of like old lazy posture and then he just stands you know stands up straight yeah. and he's like he's Sherlock Holmes again but he's wearing like you know a cardigan and a house coat and stuff but he's still you know he's still got the dignity so it still works and it should be ridiculous but it's kind of not because you know because he's got that sort of internal like sense you know you you get that this like this is a person with a very kind of solid sense of their own of self confidence, yeah. so that even even when he is you know dressed as a homeless woman um <laughs> he's he's still got that kind of you know i'm just i'm struggling to think of a synonym for dignity but that's kind of what it is but i don't want to keep like harping <laughs> yeah. on about it but it is it's that kind of you know i i, I completely agree i you know the stereotypical british stiff upper lip <laughs> I was very enamored with his performance. It's something that you should watch anyway, but if you want to see more Anthony Higgins, you can see him in another Sherlock Holmes thing because he plays a teacher in the movie Young Sherlock Holmes, uh, which was almost what I recommended to you. But then I thought, mm, no, <laughs> I, I know which of these two things is more Christy and it's the TV movie. Yes. Say like, you know, around Christmas time, if, you, if it's on like a streaming service or something, I think I don't. I can't remember if it takes place at Christmas. I think it takes place at winter, you know, like in the winter, because I think there's snow. And I have a kind of perception of it in my head as a Christmas film. Probably because it aired at Christmas time. It was, you know, a Christmas film yeah. in, 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 like, you know, in the way that in the UK, um, The Great Escape is like a Christmas film. 
you know, it doesn't take place at Christmas and there's nothing Christmassy about it. And it's like this. It's just every year when they air it. It's, it's a bunch of guys being brutalized and dehumanized by the Nazis. And then and at the end, they, most of them get massacred. You know, Christmas. Christmas. Um, yeah. Time. So I, I think you should, uh, I think you'd enjoy young Sherlock Holmes, not least of which because you'd, you'd get to see more of Anthony Higgins. I, I'm going to look into it. It's one of those things I've known about forever and ever and ever. And I just never, I don't know. <laughs> never watched it i think i'll really like it i know sort of lots of people on that side of the atlantic who've never heard of it which is weird because it's like you know it's an american film yeah it's one of those things where it just it latched on somewhere else as opposed to where it came from i i think that chris columbus was hired to direct the first couple of harry potter films because on the strength of the right. fact that yeah that you know it was like you've done stuff involving a kid in a school <laughs> being the chosen one and special harry potter films are considered christmas movies over here really that's yeah because fox family would always air like a big old marathon every like day leading up to christmas of all the movies and stuff or whatever movies were out at the time and added to it as the years went on it's like hey kids magical genocide yep christmas movie (laughs) i hope that at so i hope you get to see young sherlock holmes at some point because I'll make the effort, absolutely. It, like I said, it kind of it was almost what I recommended because I had two it things that I thought you were going to like. But the, the the guy who played the titular young Sherlock Holmes in Young Sherlock Holmes, he actually, there was a film that came out recently uh, in the last couple of years called Mr. Holmes, uh, starring Ian McKellen mm-hmm. uh, yes, as an elderly Sherlock Holmes. And um, the guy, ugh, I can't remember his name. I've probably got it written down somewhere, but I've fucked. You know, I just, I've left my notes in another room and just fucked up. Um, but the guy who played Sherlock Holmes in Young Sherlock Holmes actually also plays Sherlock Holmes in the Ian McKellen film, but he's playing an actor playing Sherlock Holmes in a movie. And that's <laughs> very meta. That's it's kind very of interesting. Yes. That, like, they will have had, like, that's not an accident. You went and deliberately found this bloke. Like, yeah. Was he even still acting? Who knows? Maybe it was like the kid who played Charlie in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory and he became a dentist or something like that. And it's like, <laughs> you went and found this guy because you wanted to be clever. And I and I respect that, but I hate that I do. <laughs> it worked on you. <laughs> it, it did. I was like, oh, God damn it. You fuckers. Got me. <laughs> that's actually quite, that's quite, that's actually quite a, a decent film. Um, it really Mr. is. Holmes. It makes you feel things though, but mm. you know. <laughs> Um, there's a there's a there's a book by the author Michael Charbon or Shaben Charbon. I'm not quite sure how to pronounce his. He's written some books that, that I like. He wrote a book called the the Yiddish Policeman's Union um, that I remember enjoying. And he also wrote a book called The Final Solution, which is Holmes as an old man during World War Two. And the fact that it's called The Final Solution, yes, is a reference to the final problem, but it's also a reference to something else that you can probably work out and do. Uh. Yeah, we've t- we, I, we've t- I've seen the film, but I haven't read the book. Wait, that one has a film, Final Solution? I no, that's the... The, seven, the 7% Solution. Yes, yeah, sorry, Solution. Yeah, that has off. a film. <laughs> yeah, it's... Duh. It's Adventure there's, Solution. There's, <laughs> problem. So much, there's so much Sherlock Holmes stuff. <laughs> It really is. It gets very confusing. Maybe you know. Maybe they'll, they'll. Maybe there will come a point where where they'll just go. This is probably enough now. Let's <laughs> knock it on the head for a bit. Well, they're all named the adventure, the solution, the problem, the you know. 
And if you're doing a derivative, you want to be clever about it. So yours is also the adventure, the solution. <laughs> I, that, that's one thing that I forgot to um, to bring up uh, in the last episode when we were talking about elementary. The, the fact that in that they do occasionally play with, you know, the, the titles of Oh yeah, uh, of stories. The one that I always think of is like their version of, of Hound of the Baskervilles was about a device that a pharmaceutical company had created to detect uh, cancer cells, and because it kind of like it sniffs them out, they'd named it the Hound. So the yeah. episode was called the Hound of the Cancer Cells, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> I, sure, I guess. I see what you've done. Fine. <laughs> And that was kind of disappointing because I would, I did kind of want them to do a Hound of the Baskervilles. I wanted them to, you know, I wanted to see Johnny Lee Miller and Lucy Liu wandering around, you know, a heath where there was like a big, a big Upstate scary New dog. York. Yeah, like <laughs> do some kind of do like a fucking Sleepy Hollow crossover. Maybe is that show still on? I don't know I or no really idea. care. I do not think so. um, <laughs> you know, that's what they should have done. <laughs> yeah. So I'm glad that you enjoyed 1994 Baker Street. Yes, Sherlock Holmes Returns, which is kind of a stupid title because it immediately dates it. It does. You know, your thing came out in 1993. Say you did go to series, your title is obsolete within a year. Well, they they what they had made it. 1994 is also the name of her street. She lives on um, the famous. It's Baker Street in San Francisco, which is a real street in San Francisco. It's very long, and it's the very famous San Francisco tight knit looking houses that are ridiculously expensive so how she got that house who the hell knows it was left to her by her parents but yeah <laughs> it's like supposedly her the street address yeah she lives at like 1994 yeah. baker street it's like it's a long street guys i don't think it's that long <laughs> be ambitious call it like sherlock holmes 2000 or something <laughs> that way you, you know i worked out that well way for that one too You'd get at least six years out of it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, is there anything else that you've... No, I think we've covered covered everything I wanted to talk about. Okay. So, I guess that now we move on to uh, what you recommended for me, oh which was uh, A Study in Scarlet Women by Sherry Thomas, which is yes. a book. Tell me all about it. It's the, uh, the first in the Lady Sherlock series. And characters like Sherlock Holmes... Like, as I said, there's so much Sherlock Holmes stuff now that coming up with... There's kind of... There's two approaches that you can take to adapting or, you know, adopting almost. A character like Sherlock Holmes is <laughs> you either do a pitch-perfect reproduction of the character, like, of how they are in the source material. You bring your own spin to it. As I have repeatedly gone on about <laughs> over the course of the last five weeks, Nicholas Meyer... <laughs> when he wrote the seven percent solution he was like you know it's like his approach to sherlock holmes was all right it's sherlock holmes but why don't we just really get into this like the the, the cocaine thing you know because yikes yeah <laughs> like like that that kind of thing and you know like sherlock holmes but the present day and also the cocaine thing um <laughs> the the approach in this one is uh it's sherlock holmes but Sherlock Holmes doesn't actually exist. Sherlock Holmes is a persona created by a young woman named Charlotte Holmes, essentially in order to circumvent the misogyny and sexism of Victorian society, where like no one would listen to her as you know, as a young woman, no one's going to listen to her about anything yeah. of any kind of importance. But she feels able to assist the police, and she's kind of like you know sending deductions in. Like through the mail, and uh, the first thing that I really want to touch on is I was kind of annoyed with the book when I started to read it. <laughs> now, a study in Scarlet Women 
the title does make sense you know as like you know th- throughout the uh, as the story unfolds you can understand like why it's been called that it's not just you know a pun on a study in scarlet yeah. uh there are like reasons that we'll get into but i think about for the first few chapters of us reading it just at the back of my mind i was annoyed that it wasn't called a study in charlotte <laughs> like and i know that's a, i know that's a stupid reason to be annoyed with the book but i was like should have been called that but and uh i bet sherry thomas had she was she was going back and forth she couldn't decide she was like oh god which one do i do here's here's where i um eat my words uh there is actually a book called oh, a god. study in charlotte about <laughs> a character about a character called charlotte holmes oh my uh, god really it's by uh yeah it's uh it's by a lady called uh Brittany caviaro and it's about it's set in the present day and it's the teen descendants of sherlock holmes and dr watson it's uh charlotte holmes and jamie watson and <laughs> It says, like, their great-great-grandfathers are one of the most infamous pairs in history. So it's, like, them sort of, you know, the descendants of Holmes and Watson meeting and them sort of getting into investigations. So, and I guess that's kind of, like, I'm I'm guessing, like, based on the fact that this, that they got the name A Study in Charlotte, I'm guessing that this maybe was published before A Study in Scarlet <laughs> Women. And I, I know that Sherry Thomas must have seen her ass. <laughs> when she found out someone else had written a female Charlotte, you know, a fe- a riff, a riff on like a female riff on Sherlock Holmes called Charlotte Holmes and called it a study in Charlotte, I, you know, I would be willing to bet that at the, like at least a small part of Sherry Thomas was was angling to call her book that. But um, and she said, "Well, so, I guess I'll do the other one." <laughs> yeah, Decision so that made. was so as as stupid as it sounds. Um, and as, as stupid as it makes me sound, that was kind of like my main criticism going into the book was like, I would have chosen a different pun for the <laughs> title, which, you know, but then I found out, you know, to my chagrin, I found out, oh, well, to be fair, That's they couldn't, so funny. You know, that was, it, you know, it was taken. So <laughs> I'll allow it. <laughs> my stupid objections aside, the actual book, I think I told you when I brought it up at the end of the previous episode, I read this book like in one go start to finish Me and too. it's uh it's like 320 pages ish long it's really good though <laughs> it it definitely is i was just you know hooked like all the way through it was like i don't think i moved <laughs> you know i just i was like on my bed just reading it and i think i just read it like start to finish because i got sort of like you know so captivated by it and so drawn in like to all the different like characters and the way that the story was unfolding and the the dynamics between characters um so uh, when it starts, it essentially starts with um, Charlotte being uh, ruined. Yes, she's kind of decided not. I, you know, I and I think you know not unreasonably that she, you know the institution of marriage is not for her. But as the you know daughter of well to do, yeah, as you know as as a member of the gentry, like as as a daughter of a family of such standing, the kind of the only thing she can really realistically hope for is to be married off and spend the rest of her life as somebody's wife yeah (laughs) sort of over the course of the story you find out she'd had an agreement with her father that when she sort of came of age you know they would talk about him sponsoring her education so that she could become a headmistress because she wanted to become a headmistress of a girls school to earn enough money where two, two of her older sisters could live with her her sort of like i think 
closest relationship in the book is with her older sister Livia. Yeah. Who I love Olivia. <laughs> yeah, she's I really liked her. She cuz she's kind of in the same boat as Charlotte where like she's Ascent, you know, she's kind of seen as unmarriageable and and is therefore like deemed to have no value. And everyone just kind of ignores her and pushes her aside and doesn't take her seriously. Yeah, she's kind of like she's reached like she's only like she's like in her mid twenties, yeah, but she's essentially she's... been written off, you know, as an old maid because she's yeah. not married. And she's she's literally bracing herself for spinsterhood, like she's yeah. very aware <laughs> of her situation, which is heartbreaking. Was... Occasionally, you come across a character in a book, and you just think. I just like I don't I don't really care what else happens in this book, but I want you to be okay. Yeah. I I want I want things to shake out in your favor. You're like, so when you're badly. reading it, you're like, okay, I, I Charlotte's got she's got a plan. She's she's in the wind, but she's got herself put together. And you look over at Olivia, you're like, oh, baby doll, please be okay. <laughs> like, please, <laughs> please be okay. <laughs> and uh, I think the eldest sister is uh, I think her name was Bernadette. Yes, and uh, she from the way that it sounds from like how she's sort of talked about in the narrative i think uh bernadette is uh developmentally disabled and charlotte basically wants to earn enough money so that she can have a house where she and olivia can take care of bernadette and sort of get away from their parents who are kind of shitty who are just the um best. yeah so when charlotte does come of age she goes to her dad and says right let's talk about this education thing and he just basically just blows her off even though he gave her word that they would you know they, they would at least talk about it yeah he just kind of he he just you know didn't think she'd actually follow through on it but part of the deal was she would make because she was very awkward and was you know struggling socially and he said you have to make an effort if you make your mm. effort you know we we can have this conversation later She's like, okay. So she actually does. And she gets into fashion. She gets into polite conversation. She learns all the ropes and all the tricks. And she upholds her end of the bargain. And when she applies back, she realizes, oh, he just thought I'd start doing those things. And I would it would change my mind. And I'd fall in love and be out of his hair. Yeah. I think you were supposed to think this, like, is at least an element of he just said it to shut her up. Yes. Not in a conscious way, but I think there was an element of that. Due so, to the time and who he is and who he expects her yeah. to be and what he assumes she would want anyway. Yeah. So here's here's Charlotte, and she's kind of realised that her dad is a shit, <laughs> and um, is 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 still expecting her to get married. So she kind of like hatches an idea. It's like, right, I'm going to ruin myself so that I will be unmarriageable, uh, which I will do by having sex. Because if she's not a virgin, she would be unmarriageable. Because sexism, hooray. Yeah, they're Victorian. So she arranges with a, a guy, I think it, I can't remember his name, because I don't, I can't remember his name because I don't really care. Um, yeah, but I don't, uh, I don't think I wrote his name down now at all. I want to say Freddie or Frank or something like that. But uh, Shrewsbury, I think his, ah. his name was. Roger Shrewsbury. Wait. <laughs> uh, he was a guy, I think he'd he'd been a suitor of Charlotte's, I think, but she, you know, had turned him down because she didn't want to get married. So she goes to him and basically says, will you have sex with me? So that I... He said, oh boy, won't I? <laughs> yeah. But what Charlotte hadn't banked on is this dude being a fucking idiot. Because what happens is he rolls home in the early hours of the morning, roaring drunk. Super stoked. Gets in bed with his wife and thinks he's in bed with his mistress and proceeds to tell his mistress about the fact that he's going to have sex with Charlotte Holmes. Now... I'm not one to tell a man his business. Actually, that's a lie. I, I absolutely am. But that's still kind of a dick move to the mistress, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, maybe she would have been down with it. But at the same time, it's kind of... That's a... there's, there's layers to the assholery this man is pulling at this Yeah. Point. 
that that's a bit of a douche gambit, if I'm honest. So Roger's wife finds out about this and basically organizes a phalanx of society An intervention <laughs> who, who go and and they they sort of they catch them like in flagrante uh, delicto just a crowd of people literally yeah. just catching them and i loved charlotte's response was like oh dear <laughs> yeah she could not give less of a fuck like that's kind of how you meet charlotte and the way that she's introduced in the book i was like this girl is my fucking hero <laughs> she's because amazing. she's she's there with with this bloke's mum who's you know, she's Living. supposed to be this kind of like society matron, very much kind of like, you know, Lady Bracknell in the importance of being an, a handbag. Yes. That kind of character. And, you know, and she's kind of like expecting Charlotte to, to weep and wail and throw herself on her mercy. And Charlotte's just like, just sitting there, just like very unconcernedly eating a plum cake and just like, <laughs> it hasn't quite gone according to plan for Charlotte. So rather than just going back to her parents and, because <laughs> I think from what I can tell her plan was to basically go to her parents and say who has two thumbs and no hymen this gal yeah okay I'm gonna go guess who's not getting married I'll have the education money now please <laughs> so uh she event so she ends up having to run away from home and sort of make tries to like make her way in the world like she tries to get a job as a typist and she, she lives in you know she initially lives in a boarding house and and things keep going wrong for her because you know word gets around like i think she gets you know the the woman who runs the boarding house kicks her out because she gets dobbed in by a a, a milliner or something and um uh eventually she does she has been sort of communicating with the police uh via her friend uh lord ashburton oh lord ashburton he's friends with a police inspector inspector treadles do you think that's a treadles reference to david copperfield i hope so Except I don't hope so, because this guy's kind of a douchebag. But... I'm not sure. I know that um, he's he's supposed to be from... He's actually from... Um, the the character is... is he's from uh, St. Helens, I think, which is kind of like my part of the country. And it's it's a reasonably common name. There was like more than one person in both of my schools who, who had the surname Treadles. So maybe it's kind of like a regional. Mm. That's where his family's from. And also like he's got... Like, his family's like, you know, partially from Scotland, partially from the north of England. So uh, Lord Ashburton is friends with Inspector Treadles. And Lord Ashburton is kind of like the intermediary between Sherlock Holmes and Inspector Treadles. <laughs> when sort of Charlotte's predicament comes about, Lord Ashburton has to like has to say to Inspector Treadles, you know, like Holmes won't be able to help us for the foreseeable, and and Inspector Treadles sort of like goes away with the idea that you know Holmes is is ill or is you know is, he's like suffered an injury and he's like maybe dying, and like you know, and, and him and his wife. I I will say I really liked the relationship between Inspector Treadles and his wife. He's a very interesting character. In a very, I'm not quite sure where they're going to go with him, where the plans are for him, but I'm I'm invested. He's a decent enough person, you know. For like for a police, he's an all right bloke, but I feel like in the story he's used as like a barometer for the general public of the time and how they would think of things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's kind of like a let's check in with him, see how you know how weird and strange Charlotte really is, and then we're gonna the man go. on the street. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a decent enough bloke, but he's not without the prejudices of his time. Oh, ex- absolutely. And it's he starts out, you're like, oh, this is a nice guy, and then halfway towards towards the end, you're like, oh, I mean, he's trying. Well, when he first meets Charlotte, uh, Charlotte's posing as Sherlock Holmes's sister, and he is like talking about 
you know, it, to his, you know, and Charlotte, you know, she's, she's very, she's very pretty and she's very like, you know, the way that she dresses and like has her hair, you know, she, the way she wears her hair is very like conventionally feminine for the period. And, um, you know, afterwards, like Inspector Treadles is talking to his wife and he said, you know, do you remember we were talking about what Sherlock Holmes must look like? And like, they kind of envisioned him as looking like, like our, our perception of Sherlock yeah. Holmes, like the Sydney Paget illustrations in, in the Strand magazine. And they thought, you know, like they, it's like we, we can extrapolate from his sister because, you know, the sister, you know, like the sibling of such a brilliant man as Sherlock Holmes would almost unconsciously seek to emulate him <laughs> and, and sort of try and sort of catch some of his reflected glory. And uh, he comes away and he said, like, you know, I think he says, like, something like either either Miss Holmes has, you know, a, a cast iron sense of her own self or uh, Mr. Sherlock Holmes was a regular popinjay, yeah. <laughs> which I thought was, was quite funny. But like the idea of like Sherlock Holmes being a dandy, you, yeah. you know, it, it feels weird. It does. It'd, it'd be like Superman wearing a mask. It just wouldn't work. So but that's getting slightly ahead. Um, So Charlotte kind of ends up in dire straits, almost like she's, you know, she's got no job. She's got no like money coming in yeah she's close to destitute by the time our lovely miss watson yeah she 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 um she ends up uh working as a a sort of an official like lady's companion to mrs watson who was a former uh was a former actress a member of what they call the demi monde (laughs) who married a doctor a dr watson you know uh, dr john watson who was an army surgeon uh but reality converges from the the prime Holmes timeline. <laughs> you know, he's not just wounded in Afghanistan. He's the Giselle bullet that wounds Watson in the original stories actually kills him in in this reality, and you know leaves uh, Mrs. Watson as a widow. So like you do get like Holmes and Watson. Uh, I I know that you know it, it's kind of it's completely like people would you know would say oh that's completely unrealistic for the period and blah blah blah. For some reason, I pictured Mrs. Watson as Eartha Kitt. <laughs> That, that that matches even just the theatrical you know singer background my go-to for you know glamorous thespian is 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 eartha kitt is eartha kitt so that's who she looked and sounded like in my head um and um they're sort of talking about what charlotte could do and you know she says like well why don't you just be a detective and it's like because no one no one would would take me seriously so they basically come up with the with this idea they hatch of the plan yes yeah they because because uh, mrs watson she, she owns um a house in baker street so they go in and they they dress it up to be like sherlock holmes's rooms and you know have like you know the adjoining room is his bedroom and he's you know he's, he's an he's, invalid you know, he's sick all the time yeah. <laughs> yeah but you know oh but he's got like you know he can like see into the room through like a spy hole or something you know they've rigged up something that he can see and hear everything that sort of goes on in the consulting parlor so they see like clients and then you know they'll talk to charlotte and then charlotte will go into the next room pretend to talk to to you know quote unquote sherlock and then come back and say, you know, Sherlock says this. I love the the ruse that Miss Hudson is also Miss Watson. She plays yeah. Miss Hudson. <laughs> I thought that was very clever because I was like, well, where's Miss Hudson going to come in? I'm like, ah, oh, she is Miss Hudson. <laughs> yeah, that was that was one of my favorite parts of, of, of the like, whole oh, story. She's like, oh, no, no, I'm going to hang around. I want to see. I need all the dirt on everyone. I want to see what's <laughs> happening. There's no way it's... I'm going to sit in the other room all the time. I'm going to be this other character, Miss Hudson. So I can come in and out and do what I want. <laughs> yeah, and you know, it, it's partially Mrs. Watson going, "Oh, what a jape!" Um, <laughs> but it's also like that the first person that she sees, she, like they were going to like charge him like a couple of shillings 
for a consultation fee, and and Mrs. Watson, <laughs> and Mrs. Watson that ends up um, charging him a guinea, which he pays. And Charlotte realizes that, like, because like all of like all her life, she's had this idea that the like her maximum income could be five hundred pounds a year. Yeah, working as a, as a, as a headmistress in a girls' school. And now she's realizing that she can make bank. Yeah, she could aspire to more than just having like a, a pokey little cottage for her two sisters. She could actually like you know be able to keep her sisters in in you know in in much better that was, comfort. It's an amazing moment in the book because you realize like she's so smart and she has all these things and she's doing this amazing plan. She's doing all this effort and work into things, and then she finally gets paid. It's the first time in her whole life she earned the money in the sense that it's not just an allowance. People are giving her. And, you know, and they're paying who they assume is a man, and it's so much more money than what she originally asked for. She was like, holy shit. <laughs> She's like, whoa. <laughs> I could actually, this, I could pull this off. This can actually come together, you know? And I was like, aw, you do you, baby. <laughs> Keep going. I mean, obviously, sort of it be- being a a Sherlock, you know, it's, it's still a Sherlock Holmes story. Oh, for sure. At the bedrock. So there is a mystery about a man who's you know, like found dead in his room and there's like like a mystery plot like goes on and it's I think it's like it's Lord Ashburton consulting with Inspector Treadles and uh Inspector Treadles sergeant. Inspector Treadles and his sergeant, they're the ones actually like doing the legwork. And then, you know, they meet up with Ashburton and then Ashburton takes them to see Sherlock Holmes. And uh it's interesting to to sort of the the dynamic that, that is between um Ashburton and Holmes, he was the first person that she kissed. Like, she wanted to find out what kissing was like, so she kind of, like, she essentially blackmailed him. In, yeah. It's, it was kind of, it was kind of, it was a little, I was reading it, it was kind of like, it's a little bit gross. Uh, she kind of <laughs> blackmails him into kissing her because, like, he's, like, a sort of amateur archaeologist. And she basically says, you know, kiss me or I'll lead a gang of children through your dig site and, and fuck it up I, I was i was making an observation today um on twitter that i've read a reasonable amount of books this year and a lot of the books that i've read have been gay so mm-hmm. i'm kind of you know it, it takes a lot for me to be invested in an ostensibly heterosexual romance in a book now like to have like a, ro- a romantic plot between a man and a woman it takes a lot to kind of move <laughs> the needle for me now yeah. I've been outside the cave, Christy. I, I know what's what now, and um, but I feel you. I was invested in in their, you know, oh, we we would be perfect for each other, but we've been kept apart by society and circumstance and all that stuff. That's very <laughs> much. It's very much my type of thing. I I like what's called the unst or the unresolved sexual tension um, <laughs> type of story because <laughs> I come from the world of the X-Files and it's like you gotta live with just some hand-holding sometimes maybe in stairs like that's all you get that's it <laughs> so you know make do um, so that's the kind <laughs> of <sighs> romance stories if, if there's gonna be a romance subplot I like it when it's more underneath and hidden under layers and it slowly you know comes out and you start to pick up on these things and you're like mm. Okay, you know I like that rest- very restrained sense, but I'm weird. <laughs> the thing that I liked about it was that it was handled so it was handled in exactly the way that I wanted it to be because it was kind of like yes, maybe maybe at some point in the future we'll be able to talk this out, but you know at the moment we're trying to solve a murder, so yeah, I got a lot of shit going on, <laughs> so hormones on the back burner yeah, for the time being exactly. I mean, I was nervous going in because I was like, well, they're going to have some romantic subplot. And then you get a sniff of it and you're like, "Mm, okay. And then they really, really go really slow and take their time. And I'm like, all right, that's cool. 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 Thank you. 
thank you <laughs> there's at least one other book and I'm, I'm you know i'm as i'm sure you are i'm hoping that there's going to be quite a few more books I, in the series because i'm very... interested to see where these you know where these characters go yes the thing that i found very interesting and the, this is this is kind of a spoiler so if, if you're planning to read the book and you don't want you know any kind of spoilers for it you know when i do the edit i'll work out like how long this bit takes and i'll say if you don't want to hear this then just skip ahead to 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 now is uh one thing that i found very interesting was is, is that there both isn't and maybe is a mycroft <laughs> now there is a character who serves the function of a mycroft his, his name is even bancroft he's lord ashburton's brother yeah and he's the puller of the strings in the great game he occupies the role that mycroft holmes occupies in the original stories but Charlotte mentions that her father sired an illegitimate son, so she has a half brother, and I'm wondering if it if we are going to find out that, that is Mycroft. And I think she says like he's an accountant or something, which <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure was was Mycroft's you know cover story in the original stories. I think it was something you know he was something to do. I think like whatever his, whatever his like official job title was, it was something to do with accounting. So I I'm you know I'd be very interested to see it whether it turns out there is a Mycroft Holmes knocking about the place and what kind of role he will occupy in the story. Well, oh, <laughs> you you have the second book coming to you soon, yes? Yes, I do. All right, so get ready, mm. I guess. <laughs> oh, interesting, interesting. Yeah. Uh, that's all I'll say. Inevitably, whenever you do come across something like the Lady Sherlock series, because also one of the things that I've been reading this year is uh, I've been reading uh, a series called The Wood, which is spelled W-O-D-E, which is the old English spelling of wood, which is uh, by uh, J. Tullos Hennig, which is a retelling of the Robin Hood story, yes, but uh, with, with a gay Robin Hood. One of the thing that sort of as I was reading that, it's kind of like wh- when you go into something like that, where you know it's going to be, you know, a, a different spin on a, a familiar story you kind of think right i want to see like what's their version of this character going to be like yeah so like what's their version of little john going to be like uh the answer to that is hot by the way um <laughs> so you know so what's this character going to be like how are they going to do this character or this event or this aspect of the story and it was kind of a little bit like that in a study in scarlet women but it was downplayed so much like in a, in a less considered version of this story there's a line which you know you know in in a in a different version of, of this story this line would be the last line in the book and it would be like a massive cliffhanger and you'd go <laughs> oh. but here it's like i don't think it's even said it's it's glossed over it's, it's you know it's 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 not you know it, it's treated as unimportant by other stuff that's happening in the scene and you know and, and if you read the book which i absolutely recommend that you do you'll 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 understand exactly which line it is when you come to it this was always a question that was going to be begged by just the the existence of of the story and like in the structure of the narrative and stuff um and that was kind of like that was a moment where because you know i'd i'd been enjoying um the book and i'd you know like sherry thomas had you know even like before i'd even got to the end of the book sherry thomas had become like a new author you know like a new author that i that yeah I loved and, i'm, and I'm I was gonna like, go back and read her historical fiction stuff i think I, I love that when you find an author and you read you know you read a book of theirs uh especially when it's like the first book in a new series and they they've got like you know prior work 
it's kind of like, oh, I can't wait. I can't wait to go back and read. You know, it's like, I, I need more books by this author in my life. I can't wait to go back and, you know, and, and get more of this, this, this author's writing. And, um, that's very much like where I was, you know, not even halfway through the Same. book, you know, but like, even like before that, I was like, right, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're a keeper. You're, you're, you're going on, on my list of, of, um, of backlogging yeah yeah it's like you know whatever whatever you're putting out i'm picking up yeah you know from i'm 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 ride or die for I, you from I, here, from here I on out the pacing it was like one of those books where again like halfway through i was like i'm just impressed by how much i'm enjoying this like i'm genuinely like looking up from my book like is anyone have, i'm so happy <laughs> that i have found this thing and that i'm reading it and i'm enjoying it and i know there's more <laughs> like it's just like this moment of like ah, yay <laughs> this is my new thing i'm super excited <laughs> and so yeah i i love her pacing and uh the tone of everything it, it it's just slow enough that you can dig into it a little deeper emotionally and all that if you want to and it's descriptive descriptive enough that it, it you cling to it and you can keep following it um but it's not overbearing ever at any point with either emotion or <laughs> you know prose after i'd finished the book and was kind of like reflecting on it and like sort of like just like flipping back to find you know various bits that yeah, i'd enjoyed yeah. and i knew that i'd want to talk about i kind of like realized then that like the the pacing the way that like the way that it's paced is so impressive because the story's always moving forward and it's it, you know it if you actually like if you actually look at it it's moving a quite you know a, yeah. it's, it's moving at like a decent clip but because each scene is is given you know an equal attention to detail you kind of really you don't notice how fast the plot's moving it's super fast i had the same thing when i finished reading it because i was like oh my god i'm done and then i was thinking <laughs> about it and i was like well i felt like i got so much character information and just you know i feel like i know these people really well but the plot moved really quickly it really did it, it's one of those books that's like it's like a tardis book where <laughs> it, it's it's you know it, more stuff happens than you'd think would be possible for the page count and and, and, yeah. like, and the te and the font size you'd think so much happens but it it doesn't you know it, it doesn't feel rushed and it doesn't feel like you know like the author's just like thrown everything in because like because i've read books that it's like you know there's been so much going on in the book where i've kind of come away from it going this is your first book and you don't know if you're going to get a second one so you're just <laughs> going to put every idea you've ever had in this, in book. this one book now yeah. kind of like similar to what we were talking about with um with sleepy hollow it's kind yeah. of like you don't know if this is going to go the distance so you want people to see the cool thing now yeah but it absolutely didn't feel like that with this book it was just it was it was dense but you know it never to the point where it felt like it was dragging or it was it was like dense in the best way like like a really yeah. like a really like a really good cake <laughs> or like you know, or like a cho dense in the way that a chocolate tort is dense. Yeah, it, it, it's delicious, tasty, amazing. Oh, right? I want a chocolate tort uh, now. I shouldn't <laughs> have said that. I, I like the fact that Charlotte differed from Holmes in. Oh yes, but that's that's the thing though. That's what was so one of those things <laughs> that was so impressive is it's like it's definitely sure it's definitely Sherlock Holmes, but it's Sherlock Holmes as a woman, and it's not as simple as. It's Sherlock Holmes, but except now we've said that they are women and we're going to use she and her and things. You know, it, it's it's now very much from, like, her mental perspective as raised in that society of the time. Like, it's an impressive feat, really, because you understand this Charlotte 
character and how she thinks and her experience and how different it would be from Sherlock Holmes. Because what's the origin story of Sherlock Holmes, right? It's someone that at one point said, hey, you should be a detective. And he goes, yeah, I will. And then he does. (laughs) That's literally it. Yeah. (laughs) So that wouldn't happen for a woman at the time at all in any way or respect like this is stretching it right but but it, it that's why it's such a big huge setup and journey to getting there as opposed to sherlock who's like well yeah i'll just run an apartment and start doing this i guess like <laughs> you know and i really 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 like what that. Could go wrong yeah and so you have all this first half of the book of just like explaining her history and how she grew up and how her parents are and you know her own personal standing in in society and her beliefs of that society and you know how she views her sisters and her situation and everything. And you're like, oh shit, there's a lot of groundwork going in here. And it's great. It's enjoyable. The way that this was sort of most most um, pronounced for me was Charlotte's approach to food. <laughs> I wanted to ask you about that because I feel like that would bother <laughs> a lot of people. It absolutely didn't bother me. I loved it so much because uh, obviously I think in, in the original stories, uh, Watson said he, the way that he sort of refers to Holmes's diet, he says that Holmes fed his body like a tugboat captain mm-hmm. feeds his vessel. He basically, he will just put enough into it to keep the, to keep, to the, keep motor the motor going. going. And he's not that picky about what he puts in. He'd probably like, eat dirt. Yeah. In fact, he does taste dirt. So he, he kind of strikes me as like, he's the kind of person who would, he would eat a branch off a tree if he goes mm, sustenance. All right, glad I got that done. Yeah, there's a there's a line. I think it's in one of the Mary Russell books because in those uh, Mrs. Hudson is still she's there k- k- kicking it. Yeah, she still does for Sherlock Holmes, and uh, I'm pretty sure it's a Mary Russell book where Mrs. Hudson is sort of remonstrating with Holmes, and I think the phrase that she uses is that uh, he doesn't eat enough to keep a cat alive, <laughs> which is the kind of thing that Manan would say. So I really liked it. <laughs> Charlotte is like the complete polar opposite of that. She she really likes food to the point where she's even like she knows like the exact amount of like what her calorific intake can be before her looks start to suffer according to the standards of you know society of what is it you know she she talks about like you know in terms of like it's like chin tolerances like how many chins she will have like you know if she eats a certain amount of food. She she doesn't smoke. She doesn't have. A pipe, you know, seven pipe problem or anything like that. She has cake <laughs> instead. It would, be, it would be so unseemly for her to smoke. Exactly. But she can sit there and have dainty little tea cakes and do whatever, you know, she's allowed to do, which is eat. <laughs> and I, I, so, I so kind of like empathized with her because like when she is sort of out on her own and her, her situation is like becoming increasingly uh, dire, you know, she's not able to eat as much as she wants and it's kind of it's making her kind of irritable and slightly you know less yeah she's not functioning at her best she's less able to be rational than she would ordinarily be uh one thing that i did want to talk about with regards to charlotte and um i don't know if i like i have no idea if this is intentional but i would be interested to find out the way charlotte is written to me anyway is such a good representation of a person on the autistic spectrum absolutely i picked up on that very i was like this i feel like this is very intentional yeah because like the way that you know this stuff that you know like it it talks about in terms of like you know charlotte's like personality and thoughts and stuff absolutely mirror like my own life experience 
you know, as as someone who who's on the autistic spectrum, it's like um, when she was little, she had to kind of learn that there are certain things that people like don't want you to say. Like, you know, it's it's you know, it's it's polite to inquire after somebody's cough, but it's not polite to inquire after somebody's hemorrhoids. You know, <laughs> just like stuff like that, which kind of like I've you know have I've had to go through similar things in my life where I've had to sort of I've had to kind of learn humans. Yeah. And you know, and what humans do, and what they don't like, and what you sort of—I've I've kind of got to the point in my life now where I don't really care. But like, certainly when I was a kid, and you, you know, and you're in—you know—when when things are expected of you, as as they definitely would be, not just for a, a child, but you know, an, an adult woman in um, Victorian society. So she's kind of had, she's kind of like had to learn the system of, you know, what you can say and what you can't say, and what you can do and what you can't do, and what you you know, what thoughts you have to keep to yourself and. You know, like yes. what observations you can make and what observations you have to keep to yourself and just stuff like that. I feel that was very deliberate. And I, I think in the book, she tr- there's an attempt to tie learning all that into feeding her ability to do, you know, to deduce things. You know what I mean? Because she has to observe more closely what everyone's mm. doing, what they're saying, what they're not saying, what type of behavior gets her good points, what type of behavior gets her bad points. And then through that process, she, you know, gets better at observing everybody and the society she lives in. And I thought that was clever. You know, as someone who's on the autistic spectrum, there's nothing that I hate more when it's used as a gimmick. Yeah. You know, instead, you know, instead of being like, you know, an important facet of a character, it's kind of, it, it is kind of used as a, you know, it's, um... It's almost like a power. Yeah, I haven't seen I I haven't seen Community, but I have seen the scene from it because I know that one of the characters in that uh, is a guy called Abed who is supposed to be on the autistic spectrum. And there's something in, and like and someone basically says, you know, Abed, you're special. Can't you like deduce the crime scene? And he kind of like goes into this thing about you know I see a man using personality disorder as a uh, procedural device, and they kind of like deconstruct yeah. the, the gimmicky kind of. Because you get shows like, um, I remember there was there was the, the show uh, Monk with Tony Shalhoub, but he was a oh. a detective with OCD, and that strayed too far into gimmickry. Not a fan of Monk personally. <laughs> you know, I I I didn't expect for a minute that you would be because <laughs> they do. I think the the issue with Monk is that they kind of use the OCD as as a comedic device. It's like a funny quirk thing that makes him no that's what no stop yeah you know if i had a water bottle i would be spritzing you with it no stop it's bad don't do not that my favorite and you know and then you have like sherlock coming up with terms like high functioning sociopathy which is not a thing because you know to the extent where like you know like nowadays sociopathy kind of isn't a thing that's kind of uh, uh, at least as far as i understand it that's kind of like fallen out of use as you know as as a diagnosis because it was based on certain ideas that about society that we kind of you know in a lot of ways we don't really have anymore and you know and and whether it was intended to be like a joke or not it's like you're still kind of joking about people with psychiatric problems so fuck you maybe the one that i could have sort of think of was um uh the the tv show hannibal yes based on the thomas harris books uh, the main character in that, Will Graham, he mentioned, like, it, it's mentioned in the first 
episode that it's kind of weird. They they don't say that he has Asperger's syndrome. They say he has something like Asperger's syndrome or close to Asperger's syndrome. I think Lawrence Fishburne just asked him, "Are you on the spectrum somewhere?" Yeah, and I think he answers the, vaguely. He says something like, "You know, closer to Asperger's than autism," which kind of like, well, Asperger's is an autistic spectrum disorder. That's the show community was riffing on, by the way. <laughs> oh, was it? Yeah. This doesn't surprise me. I kind of enjoyed Hannibal, but it kind of it also annoyed me because there's a lot of things I like, that, but there's a lot I had to be like, I'll just look the other way. I guess on yeah. this thing, it's like <laughs> it's you know, you know, it's one of these things where you watch it like this isn't a deal breaker, but I am kind of going oh, mm, shame. Yeah, <laughs> but it's like after you know, after it gets mentioned in in kind of That's his it. introduction, it never really comes up again, and it doesn't kind of it doesn't really come across through his personality it, not nothing about sort of his character really is informed by it but it's, and it's like kind they of threw like, it in so you can understand how he can profile like he does oh he's special and he yeah, sees yeah, things yeah. in a different way it's like i guess yeah but um I, I didn't i didn't really get that with charlotte where she she actually did feel like you know and it's consistent that's the other thing too is it's not yeah. like one mention type of deal being an adult who's, you know he's had to like learn how all the humans go and what you know what what they like and what they don't like and, and and all that kind of thing it's like it was very very believable to me and it did it, it didn't feel gimmicky it did feel like you know this is an aspect of her character and i also like the fact that she what one thing that absolutely drives me up the wall is when like people on the autistic spectrum and you know and, and disabled people in general are kind of infantilized and part of that is that you know a lot of the time we're desexualized yeah. Not to say, you know, like, like I mean, I know asexual disabled people, but, you know, a lot of the time people who aren't asexual, who are disabled, we're, we're kind of treated as sexless. And some people, like, they don't like the idea of us, you know, do it, you know, like in, in, like, you know, romantic or sexual situations. Like, but Charlotte is, you know, she, she does have those feelings and it's shown that she has them and yeah. it's not you know it, it it's not sort of treated as any kind of dissonance it's just it's another facet of who she is and and it's understandable it's it's explained to you through her in a way that you know you believe it it's not you know just chosen because oh she's a lady <laughs> or you know <laughs> so something something like that because when the romance comes in that's when you kind of go because it's a female character and there's Sherlock Holmes and you're like I don't this is gonna be okay with me <laughs> like but I, I think it's done in a really enticing enjoyable way if it doesn't exist i'm gonna have to write it myself because i desperately want the mary russell crossover fan fiction <laughs> with this where the dynamics the same but now you know the slightly curmudgeonly old sherlock holmes is a lady instead of a man that needs to exist <laughs> that'd be pretty cool I will take it upon myself to write it if if nobody else does. So somebody please write it. I'm already writing about five things at the moment. So I I did like the fact that, you know, Charlotte, she she felt like such a, it was kind of weird in a way because it's like when the kind of, when her storyline actually like kind of starts and like, you know, that you stop sort of getting the flashbacks and, and she's out sort of like, she's off on her own and she's, you know, having to, you know, rely on her wits and, and the sort of the challenges that she's facing and stuff like that. It's like around, it's around about the time that she meets Mrs. Watson that it's like, 
I kind of, like, I was at that point, I was kind of like, I feel like I've been reading books about you for years. I feel, you know. It was amazing. So effective. I feel like I've known you for so long, even though you're not really like any... Yeah, you know, and like, and I thought, like, am I just like, am I, pro- am like, am I projecting? Am I like remembering like Mary Russell? But it's like, well, no, because she's 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 so different from from Mary. She's so different from like most other characters. I can, I, 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 I can't really think of another character who's like this. It's this perfect merger where I know the character of Sherlock Holmes, so I have an expectation, and I'm looking for certain things subconsciously or consciously when I read something like this right fan fiction or otherwise and then this character is explained so well and progressed in in a in a fashion that you can understand like one choice to the next choice and then i'm filling in bits with what i know of the character of sherlock holmes that's not this character and it feels so 3d (laughs) you know it feels like there's some intense depth going on and i think it's both i think it's it's well handled and organized and paced with information and characterization that's new plus i do think sherry thomas relies on assuming if you're reading this you have some kind of understanding of who sherlock holmes is that's not this character and you kind of fill in the gaps with putty yourself and you get this 3d model of amazingness <laughs> if if this if this book is your first contact with anything Sherlock Holmes related I kind of feel sorry for you because it'll ruin you for every other Sherlock if like please don't do this the first one please yeah if like if you've never read a Sherlock Holmes book like read some read some like do some short stories yeah read read some like you know traditional normal Sherlock Holmes before you read this because if you read this first everything else after this is going to seem like a step back. you're going to be let down you're gonna realize you do not know Sherlock Holmes as well as you know Charlotte Holmes within thirty pages. Like it's just if if your first point of contact is Charlotte Holmes, you are not gonna give a shit about Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> That's what it and feels I, like. Honestly. And I, I honestly can't blame you. <laughs> I quite like this book. Can you tell? Yeah, it, I was honestly I was so blown away because <laughs> like the little blurb on NPR I read, I was like, it sounds like fun. And then I read it, and I was as soon as I was done, I was like, holy shit! Like I'm gra- gripping the side of my chair. I'm like, oh, oh my god. That was I was so that was so good. That was amazing. Like I can't believe I was blessed enough to just suddenly read that thing and then pick it up and start reading it today. Like this is phenomenal. It's just one of those amazing reading experiences you get every once in a while where you're just like amped up about it. You're like, I need to share this. <laughs> like somebody. Anyone. If I if I had the money, I would just I would buy a hundred copies of this book and I would just stand hand on the out. street, just hand it out hand it out to Have people. Have you heard of our it's Lord like, Savior Charlotte? <laughs> here's a book, you're welcome. Yeah. Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've decided I'm gonna buy another copy of this book and I'm gonna do a giveaway Ooh. on my Twitter. I'm I'm feeling what's the word? I'm feeling evangelical about it's like yeah, it, it's one of those books where you're like, who can I suck in here with me? <laughs> like, who can I get on this train? Like, I I'm determined to like you know to to <laughs> like to pay it forward. You know, you've recommended this to me, and like now I need to you know. It's a good end to Sherlock October. It is. It's it's the it's the perfect it, it was the perfect beginning and end. Oh. It's a nice you know, bookend. The thing that when I finished the book I was like, God, I want I I told like everyone about like everyone that I've talked to, I've told about this book. 'Cause like 'cause I, I'm you know, my, my family's a family of readers and um like my uh my closest friend she she reads and her mum reads and and you know and I've sort of told them about it and I I've you know I've enthused about this book to pretty much everybody 
and like having to not talk about it online oh yeah and you know and and not just go to people who i you know people who i know online who would love this and just go oh you need to read this book and like you know because of the stupid rules that i came up with for our stupid yeah, show this, this was one of the hardest ones <laughs> i gotta say this was one of the hardest one the first one was hard because it was the first one i was very excited this this one was really hard because like i wanted to tell you about it with halfway through the book like i picked up my phone i was like i'm gonna <laughs> send a message and i was like oh but i gotta keep this in my pocket like i have to wreck this I have to. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, shove it down deep down inside for a bit. <laughs> so it was really hard. And I like, as soon as I done with the, the book, I was like, on my Kindle, I was like, do, 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 second book, start, buy, read, <laughs> instantly. The closest, I think the closest that I've ever come to wanting an e-reader, like to wanting something like a Kindle is... It was one of those really satisfying moments, I gotta tell you. Knowing that it's like, if I could just immediately go from this book to the next one, because uh, when, when I bought um, Greenwood, which is the first book in the Wood series, you know, I was like, should I buy, should, should I just buy all of them and just get them all sort of uh, one yeah, day? And I was like, and then I was like, oh, well, no, because like, well, you know, what if I don't like the first one? And then I'll have like three books that I, that I won't want to read. You do the thing where halfway through the book, you're like leaning over to your computer. You're like, click, 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 click. Oh, like I, I was like, I was like less than halfway through it. I was like, right, where's my phone? Bye, bye, bye. There we go. Um <laughs> Like, I'll I'll see you next week, you bastards. I felt like such a fool for not for for not ordering the like the the two the two books at the same time. It's it's what it's what it's going to be like after I've read uh, the second book, uh, A Conspiracy in Belgravia. Belgravia? I'm not quite sure how that. I don't know London words. Yeah, like having to wait, having to read that and then wait for another book. That's. I mean, you you kind of you kind of know because because uh, um, one of the sort of things that I've got uh, Christy into this year is uh, oh, yes. Robin Hobbs Realm of the Elderlings. I am and um, deep I in got that. <laughs> I uh, the most the most uh, the most recent trilogy that she did. I got the second book of that for my birthday two years ago because uh, they usually come out. That you know they they'd been coming out sort of like near my birthday, so I got the first one for my birthday, I got the second one for my birthday, and then I found out that the third one wasn't coming out my birthday the following year. It was coming out the beginning of the year following that, and I couldn't bring myself to start reading that second book because it's like I know that as soon as I finish this book, I'm I'm gonna I will need medically need to read the next one. So I had to wait for like a year and a half before I could read that second book because I knew. And I was the opposite. Know. I was chasing the gap. <laughs> I wanted, because I came to it so late and so late to the party, you know, and I was so excited that there was fine, like I was going to get to experience a book release, right? So I was <laughs> yeah. racing through the books to reach the gap so I could just painstakingly wait and experience at least one wait for a realm of the elderlings book so our experiences were completely opposite which was just great so if you know pres- presuming that there is going to be a third book in the lady sherlock series i'm i you know i will be pre-ordering that at the earliest possible opportunity absolutely even if even if it's like you know six months before it's due to be released i'll be like no i just i'm gonna order it now so that so you don't have to worry about it and just arrives you're like oh <laughs> and then i will just stare at my computer for six months <laughs> Yeah, is it now? Refresh. No. Refresh. How about now? 
Yeah, I will just sit there for six months and just hitting F5 on my keyboard. <laughs> so many things about the Study in Scarlet Women and the Lady Sherlock series in general, and I'm racking my brain because I read them basically and both of them in blurred together so i don't want to spoil anything for the other one but i know for sure that my three choices that really stuck with me for the first book were one make charlotte wanting to help her sisters be a core part of the character's motivation to be self-reliant because she's so smart and clever and who she is and who she's you know sherlock holmes who we know the other character is uh, one thing about Charlotte I really liked is she she never really seemed to put down other women. Like, her sister would get really frustrated and be like, oh, well, she's just, you know, this old bitter old lady, and she'd be stepped back and be like, well, you know, based on her situation, it's pretty messed up what I've done. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, she always gives everyone her due. She's always very plugged into the social standing and, and how to look at it from an outside perspective, which again ties into the fact that Maybe she is on the spectrum somewhere and she's just too, this is just how she functions as default anyway, as she feels like she's observing all the time so she can maintain what everyone else just naturally does. Two, <laughs> I really like that they made Miss Watson a character who's also kind of on the outside-ish of social standing. And three, the choice to make Charlotte chubby and covered in bows and physically like the least threatening character in the history of anything ever. Uh, was just brilliant because I just I like when a character doesn't look how they are <laughs> I, I I like animation and anime and stuff and game fighting games and character design stuff so when whenever there's a character who looks one way and then they just have a foul mouth I'm like yeah <laughs> so it's kind of like that for me where she looks so <laughs> cute and tiny and non-threatening and she loves cakes and bows and she's got her curly hair and she's kind of chubby and she's you know and then she'll just obliterate somebody <laughs> like i love it it's my favorite thing ever you know i'm i'm the same i love you know a character that the idea of having a character that based you know that looks like shirley temple yeah but that's pretty much how i think of her <laughs> they've got a mind like a steel trap it's that's brilliant i'm so on board for that one thing that i've done uh in the sort of intervening time between uh now and the previous episode was uh i've uh one of the things that uh christy talked about for her top five was a uh sane and manga yes. called young young miss holmes and i've since sort of been away and like looked those up and cursed myself because it's like right book three that's three pounds with shipping okay that's uh book two that's four pounds not too bad with shipping uh book one 75 pounds shit because it's out of print and some fuckers uh... like yeah pay me 75 quid for this manga book and i'm like I probably won't. Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of kicking myself for. I mean, there's there's kind of really like no way I could have found out about it sooner, but yeah. <laughs> but it's so weird because it's like uh, when I saw the 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 sort of the cover and it has the oh, I can't remember what you said the character's name was. Um, oh, Christine. Christine, that was it. She was almost like a manga version of how I pictured Charlotte. It's like, true, you know, isn't it? Very very shoujo you know that's how i think of charlotte in my head too is it's the shoujo big eyed big hair big everything. ruffles and bows and ringlets and stuff and that, that was kind of that was kind of weird it was like Wah. even just like the decision of, of sherry thomas to make charlotte blonde yeah because like you'd like the idea of like a blonde sherlock holmes you it kind of feels weird doesn't it why though why yeah it'd be like a it'd be like a like a blue tiger it would just 
it would be like so alien and weird but to make her this you know very very you know very pretty like blonde for want of a better term girly yeah character we talked uh about uh mary russell and saying the the confidence uh that it took on the part of laurie king to you know focus a lot of the stories on mary to you know to, to make you know no less a personage than sherlock holmes almost an ancillary character in the stories it's kind of like the the confidence of sherry thomas to like say right this is my sherlock holmes and they are as unlike yeah. sherlock holmes. like they there is basically nothing about this character in terms of appearance that you would look at them and think oh that's sherlock holmes but this is my sherlock holmes and it is and it works so well it's like the 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 confidence of that is is equally a match to sort of to any of the sort of other stuff that we've talked about and and it's given enough attention that it's obviously a very deliberate choice on her part you know what i mean it, it's yeah. not exactly important to say her characterization or even the plot but it, it's important obviously to sherry thomas to get across that this is what she looks like in this time <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know and i i enjoyed that personally because it, it creates an interesting um, contrast and even for the reader to have to kind of face their own you know asso- assumptions and perceptions of what you assume a lady Sherlock Holmes would look like or act like or be interested in or wear or you know she's like nope I'm going to be really explicit about it so there's no wiggle room here she's a chubby <laughs> cute little <laughs> happy girl <laughs> likes cake and uh, that's who you're this is the brilliant mind this is who it is <laughs> and I was like good on you <laughs> this, this is Charlotte she will be your Sherlock Holmes for the scene yeah take it or leave it <laughs> you should absolutely take it though yeah like I've, I've I've read a lot of books this year and the the majority of books that I've read uh, you know as someone who is trying to write their own stories and what you know wants to be a, a, a professional storyteller like I've read so many books this year that have kind of like made me think. Yeah, it's like there's been aspects of them where I've gone, oh, you know, I'd I'd love to be able to to write like this as well as that, or you know, I'd love to be able to like you know to structure a plot this well or to develop characters this well and stuff. Like a study in Scarlet Women has been one of the one of the few books that I've read this year where I've gone, I would give anything to be able to write something that made somebody feel half of what <laughs> I felt reading this book. If I can do that, I will die happy, because the, this book was such an accomplishment for for the author, and was so well done that that's the thing. The only like real criticism I could make for it was stupid, and <laughs> in the end, was it was you know was invalid. So you know, often like when when people like if someone recommends something to me and they can't offer a negative. Because, like, because I, you know, I'll, because I'll, I'll recommend stuff to people and I'll say, you know, I really like this thing, but yeah. there's a couple of things about it that, you know, that aren't so up. great or, <laughs> you know, that might be like problematic or like stuff like that. Kind of detract a little bit from it. But, you know, so if someone says, oh, you know, read this, it's perfect. I always kind of go, is it really? <laughs> is it just that you like it a lot? There's nothing really I can criticize the book for because it's so well done. I, it's just, just good. I, I did the thing. You know me. I went online. <laughs> And I searched yeah. and I was like, what are the folks saying about this? How can I get mad today? So I go <laughs> online and the biggest thing that I've heard is it's a little slow in the beginning and it takes too long to like set up who Char- Charlotte is. 
And I was like, nah, I think that's, I guess. Like, I don't, I don't think so. Do you know what I think of those people, Christy? <laughs> I think they're wrong. <laughs> I think lesser of them than I would of a dog. <laughs> I really, I, it's one of those things where I was kind of reading it and I was like, we don't, I mean, it, what people tell you when you do, when you write a review, you have to be like, have some criticism or something. And I get that. And I think it does come down, a lot of it's a personal expectation plays a really big, I think, phenomenally large role when it comes to stories like this one. And I think some people maybe just didn't have their expectations met rather than the actual book disappointing. You know what I mean? Because it's pretty damn solid for a first entry. Uh, I gotta say, I'm excited to see what you say about the second one. Um, had a lot of things, evolution of things that I really like and I can't wait to talk to you about. Um, <laughs> yeah. I would like, as, as, as soon as I've read the second book, you'll know. <laughs> Good. Feel free to like send me messages mid-reading, just screaming. I'll be like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> your, your, your Twitter DMs are absolutely going to light up as Yay! soon as I finish the book because I'll be like, Christy, 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 I finished the book, talk to me about it, Christy. <laughs> um, one thing about the, the or I guess this is the longest thing ever, because we really like it, guys. Um, <laughs> but the, the the mystery of this book, we haven't talked about the mystery a whole lot. We haven't talked about Miss Watson, who gets just amazing roles. Oh my god, she's so good in the second book. Um, she's a little bit lighter in the, the first book, still amazing, but we really dig into her in the second one. I'm like, thank yes, yes! That's what I want! Yes! And, um, but the mystery of the first novel, it starts out... <laughs> homesy enough you know what i mean but it has a very sinister um darker turn to it that ties into this idea of scarlet women and it ties into this idea of you know the role of women and how they're treated and and and, and you know children in general in this victorian time and how you have all these high society squabbles and issues and then you have all this other dark underbelly happening too and and i think I liked that it went that hard. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, it didn't. It yeah. wasn't like her first case was like locked door mystery. Like <laughs> it wasn't about blackmail. <laughs> it was yeah. straight up a very serious issue that you really needed her help on because she was the only person connecting any of these threads to begin with. <laughs> I don't want to spoil it. You know what I mean? Like I don't want to say what the big mystery is but it's one of those ones where it starts out and then and you can't help it because you're reading it and you have an idea and then it kind of does this switch on you and you're like oh shit because <laughs> i had an idea of what i thought the issue was and what the the baddies um <laughs> not baddie but the, the lead guy who died his his secret was and i was very wrong and i was like oh shit <laughs> I got <laughs> d- duped. <laughs> like that's what it was, and I loved it. Yeah, that was. Oh, jeez. Please tell me you thought the same thing. <laughs> I did. I absolutely yes! did. I, was... I was like, uh, then I was like, you led me. You led me here. I love you, Sherry Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've probably got. Yeah, we gotta stop about this book because we're, we're like we're coming up. We're, we're bumping up against two hours. We gotta stop uh, recording time. When, when you edit but, out um... the pauses and the coughing and the. <laughs> It'll be only an hour and 50 minutes. Yeah. But it'll be a, a, a trim hour and 45 minutes. Yeah. Um, so thank you, Christy, so much for, for recommending this book to me. You're very welcome. And thank you so very much for 1994 Baker Street, Sherlock <laughs> Holmes Returns. 
which is near and dear yeah. to my heart. It's new to me, and I will cherish it forever. To to close, I will just um, remind you and um, the listeners that this is now uh, a study in Scarlet Women is now one of my top five Sherlock Holmes things ever. There's there's no way that it couldn't be. I really wanted to put on my list last time, but I thought it would be me to do that. <laughs> i once again you've you've made such sacrifices for me and um i can't appreciate it enough uh so this is this has been um shell october 2017 this has been a a thing that we did really enjoyed it i hope other people have too you know like the feedback that i've got from it has you know people have enjoyed it um at least at least one person i know has enjoyed it so (laughs) thanks richard result (laughs) <laughs> shout out to, shout out to richard we love you uh thank you uh thank you. for for listening to us uh waffle on about sherlock holmes thank you <laughs> so thank thank you for joining us uh, for sherlock october uh 2017 uh this is something that i've wanted to do for a while and this year seemed like the perfect time to do it and i, I couldn't have asked for a better co- co-conspirator Aww. than than christy and uh, also thank you so much to becca for uh yeah she was amazing for for her <laughs> for, for for very graciously offering her expertise uh, on the episode she guested on um like legit expertise we're just <laughs> we're just shit talking over here <laughs> we're you know we're, we're amateurs yeah. um uh so i i guess you know see you this you know around this time next year yeah because this is definitely something that i want to carry on doing and i'll come up with like you know we gotta come up with different variations I heard you say audio commentary, and oh, oh boy, please let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I do like the idea of like mystery science theater, like emphasis on the mystery. Yeah. So uh, I'll actually like plan it properly because <laughs> this was a kind of like, oh yeah, shit, I wanted to do that. Uh, Christy, are you busy in October? Um, nope. <laughs> that's that's kind of that's kind of how it shook down. But um, yeah, thank thank you so much for joining us, and uh, thank you, Christy, for for coming on this little journey with me. It was a and thanks for recommending me this book because I really liked it. Um, so, un- until you know, until next year, <laughs> we we won't talk about Sherlock Holmes ever again. Never uh, until it's October. But yeah, we'll try. That, yeah, <laughs> that's not that's not gonna happen. Exactly. But um, uh, in in the meantime, you can you can uh, if you want to hear uh, more of me and Christy uh, shoving things at each other. Uh, we we have our show, The Wreckers, which I I think we I don't we we could probably maybe squeeze another one in before the end of the year, but I know like once like November starts, think you know things start ramping up and yeah, Christmas time in this house is a little mad. You know, you've got kids and you have to go places and and various things, so um uh we'll see. But uh until the next time that that we get together. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, and this has been Shell October, a most irregular podcast, 2017. So, until next year, goodbye. Aloha. <laughs>